What's going on, everybody, and welcome to The Prep Talk, the podcast that hopes to inspire, educate, and entertain you into your dream jobs. As always, I am your host, Mondo Rodriguez. In this episode, we are joined by Texas State professor Yesenia Garcia Harrington as we talk about her career as an actress, entrepreneur, and advisor, and her many projects, along with her many achievements. Let's get it. Three, two, one. You're tuned into The Prep Talk with your host, Mondo Rodriguez. It's that whole thing of, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Des Sanchez. The thing is, I'm really antisocial, so like, you don't really... And Tori Acosta. I can't even solve my own problems. How am I supposed to solve these other people's? What's going on, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of The Prep Talk. As always, I am your host, Mondo Rodriguez, along with... Des Sanchez. And unfortunately, Tori cannot be here with us today. Um, she's doing freshman things, having to move out of the dorm yeah after everything so she's basically getting evicted <laughs> that's all i can say about that but Her it last is, day too yeah yeah <laughs> it is a bittersweet moment though because this is our last episode of the prep talk and oh well season God. one not the actual last episode. oh no no no, no. yeah it, after this um des and tori will be taking over um but what better way to end this season than with a very special guest today and honestly, this person has a laundry list of credentials and achievements throughout her career. So bear with me. This is going to take, it's probably going to be our longest <laughs> intro that we've had for somebody. But she is a graduate of Southwestern University and the University of Texas at Austin MFA uh, acting program. Not only is she a professor here at Texas State, she's also an advisor, an actress, an arts advocate, and an entrepreneur. Her film and television credits include the award-winning documentary Horton Foot: The Road to Home, the award-winning National Geographic miniseries The Long Road Home, HBO's The Leftovers, AMC's The Sun, and so much more. And fun fact, in 2015, she was invited by President Barack Obama himself to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the National Endowment of the Arts at the White House, where she got a hug from uh, Michelle Obama. They're on a first-name basis now, besties. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's give it up for Miss Yesenia Garcia Harrington. How you doing, Teach? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. And I try to find like the shortest way to a- address somebody. Like for Destiny, I call her Des. Mm-hmm. So for my professors, especially this one, I call her Teach, just because it's short and straight <laughs> to the point. <laughs> It's a term of endearment for sure. Yes. <laughs> How's everything been? Good. It's been a long year. Yeah. I but know. a good year. <laughs> uh, you just got back from Austin from a gig, right? Yes. So I was doing a gig where um, I was actually being interviewed um, with some students that are in um, the Del Cab Path Academy out in Georgia. And so they were interviewing me for their career professional days. So um, I got to be with one of my comadres from Southwestern, uh-huh. Dr. Ana Alcaraz, and she wanted me to come in and talk to her students. So it was an honor to be able to do that and make that connection. Oh, wow. Been, mm-hmm. And now she's here getting interviewed by us. (laughs) So just a day of interviews. (laughs) So to get everything started, what inspired you to get into acting? I think I've always been a theatrical kid. 
you know, um, I grew up, my parents were teachers growing up. And so I would put on plays with my brother. I think it was just a way to creatively express myself. And so I really, I didn't do theater until my senior year in high school. Really? Yeah, I had done musicals in high school because I was in choir and it was like the thing to do. All the popular kids were doing it. And so I was doing musicals and it wasn't until my my senior year that I actually did UIL One Act. And they needed, you know, someone. And I was just like, okay, well, why not? Let's just go for it. So I got started late in the theater game. Mm. So that's kind of where I got started. Um, But yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat because... Like in high school, my freshman year, I got into one act. Mm-hmm. But like starting when I was little, I watched so many cartoons that I would do impersonations of like Pokemon and other characters from different movies. And my uncle, who was like three years older than me, would mess with the the phone machine where you recorded like Call Me Back. And he would record me doing voices and then play it back to me. And that's how I got oh into all that. <laughs> it was funny. And I don't so know. So you've, you've lived with recordings of yourself growing up. Oh, so yeah. it's no wonder you use your voice for work. Oh, yeah. And like even in first, like how you said you did plays for people, I mm-hmm. would get in front of my teachers and do like uh, do um, like replays of cartoons like, like Ice Age and other like Power oh, Rangers. Yeah. I always reenacted those scenes and I pulled my friends into it. They probably hated me for it. <laughs> And then my first grade teacher, she actually told me, she's like, when you become famous for your voices, don't forget us. And when I was little, oh. I never thought anything of it. And now I'm here and I'm just like, oh, wow. Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. So she saw something in you that you hadn't acknowledged or realized even in that Not moment. Not as a first grader, no. Yeah. <laughs> but but that stuck with you. Oh, yeah. It definitely stuck with me. And here we are today. Yeah. I know. Now you're doing like PSAs and promos and all of this stuff. I know. On air. I had to do a Darth Vader thing earlier yeah. this past week look at you getting paid for using your voice that's good well i didn't get paid for this oh <laughs> labor that, of love labor of love oh but that you does, will get paid soon soon mm-hmm. but that does remind me i've mentioned before on this show that there was a certain professor that got me my first voice acting gig and that is teach right here yeah. he's been and talking about you a lot like every single episode oh really yes <laughs> he always brings it up he's like oh just letting you know that i got paid for this gig and this thanks to my teacher so well yeah. y- you know when there's an opportunity i always try to make a connection especially when i know that students um have what it takes you know and i knew from our beginning acting class armando had an excellent voice and so to know that that was something that he was also interested in I was like, um, hello, this is a no-brainer. They need someone to do voices. You want to do voiceover work. Let's just make it happen. And it just so happened that it worked out. And that was his first professionally paid gig. And yeah. that's where you start. And to this day, I am always thankful. Because I remember you specifically told me, you were like, <laughs> I told you about it. I was excited. And you're like, do you know what this means? And I was like, not at all. <laughs> and she was like, that means you are a, a professional voice actor now. And as soon as she told me that, I almost started crying <laughs> because it just really hit me in the heart. But getting into acting and everything, who were your role models growing up? You know, it's it's so interesting. Um, I really didn't have a role model per se, but I knew that I liked stories. Um, I knew I liked stories and I didn't see a lot of folks that looked like me when I was growing up. And so I always kind of like fantasized or role played Disney movies where I was the main heroine and I was like all of the heroines. Um, 
but that's kind of like where I got started. It wasn't a, a role model per se, but I think it was more of a passion for telling a story. Mm-hmm. And it kind of came about by accident, to be quite honest, because I was pre-med. Yeah. <gasps> really? I got into the Baylor College of Medical program as a senior in high school. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. So you can understand the sheer disappointment <laughs> <laughs> when my parents were like, you're doing what? Because um, I had, you know, I was a senior in high school. I applied to this program. I was going to do four years at what is now UTRGV. And then I was going to do my four years of medical school at Baylor College of Medicine because it was a program that provided you with that pathway. And then when I went to go visit Baylor College of Medicine um, and I saw the cadavers, I was like, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> I was looking at this person's body and I was like, this was a somebody's father, somebody's uncle, somebody's brother. Oh, my gosh. All the stories I could not separate the emotion from the task at hand, which was to learn about the human body. I was like, no, this person has a story. I was like, I feel it. The ener- No, I can't do this. I can't do it. So I gave up my seat to somebody who could really use it. And instead I told my parents, well, I'm going to go to college, but I'm going to be a pre-med major mm-hmm. to kind of like satisfy their hopes and dreams <laughs> yeah. somewhat, like give them some hope, you know? And um, I went to Southwestern University and um, I got to go because I cobbled up a couple of scholarships, one of which was the theater scholarship. So when I was a senior in high school, I was trying to apply for scholarships left and right, right? Because, you know, my parents are teachers. We didn't have a lot of money. I had a brother and a sister. So, you know, things were kind of tight, right? Um, And so I was the first one to go away to school, Um, like away from home, home. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, the only way I'm going to do it is if I'm able to find enough money to do it. And uh, my, my theater teacher, Lee Hibbets, she had worked with me on musicals. She gave me this monologue and song from a, my name is Alice. And I used that monologue and song for the 1997 Miss Teen of Texas pageant. Now, the only reason why I did the pageant was because there was a scholarship involved and I did not have to be in a bikini. Like, let's just <laughs> let's just keep that straight. Right. So I ended up winning the talent show, got a small little scholarship. And then I used that same monologue and song to audition for college. And I got a scholarship for theater. One of the stipulations was, OK, well, we're giving you this theater scholarship. So now you have to major in theater. And I was like, what? I just can't take the money and like major in whatever. No, now you have to major in theater. So I was like, okay, okay. So I majored in theater and communication and I was pre-med. I was like doing all the things, right? As a freshman first year at Southwestern. And then it wasn't until my junior year where I was in biochemistry class. We were learning about things like you do in biochemistry like the sodium potassium pump and I'm over here sketching costume designs. I'm thinking about my show that I'm about to do and I thought, you know what? My head is not in this. So I dropped biochemistry, called my mom, and I was like, you know, I'm not going to be a doctor anymore. I'm going to focus on theater. And she was like, what? You're doing what? You're going to be poor? And like there was all of these worries about my financial state because, you know, theater is not consistent. It has a history of not being consistent. And the industry as a whole in theater, television, and film ebbs and flows. So you've got to be able to roll with it if you want to be in it long term. And so I finished Southwestern. I didn't have a job. So things were looking a little bleak until I rolled up into Olive Garden one day 
and I filled out their hiring paperwork. And I got a job as an Olive Garden server. <laughs> and I did that for a year. And it was a long year because my parents are like, Mira, you just went to Southwestern. You know, you spent all this money at this private school and you're working at Olive Garden. Hmm. Hmm. Like, right? Judgment zone. <clears throat> and I was like, well, no, this is the beginning. This is where I'm going to get my feet wet and all that other stuff. And then I realized while I was working there, I was like, I need more training. I've got to get more training. So I went to graduate school and I went to the UT MFA program. And the reason I got there was because I had a professor from Southwestern that really helped me get my stuff together through ERDAs. And so I did that process, got my MFA, and the rest is kind of history. <laughs> so that's kind of like educationally how I, how I got to that place. And then, you know, I did the New York, L.A. thing and then, you know, started my company and then started teaching theater. And 13 years later, here I am teaching at Texas State University. So it's been a minute. Wow. But it's been yeah. a journey. Yeah. I mean, I'm just finding a lot of parallels and things to relate to because um, doing when I played, I think every single year except for one, I got honorable mention all-star cast. That's amazing. Yeah. All, every year except for like my senior year or my freshman. It was one of those. But I remember I got recommended to fill out an application for um, the American Dramatic Arts, either in L.A. or New York. I forgot what the name was. Yeah. Yeah. AMDA. Yeah, the Academy of Dramatic. I can't remember the name. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I remember. Well, first I was like, it came in the mail, and they're like, "This is for you." And I was like, "Oh, well, who put me up to it?" My uh, language arts teacher, Miss Pritchard, Mrs. Pritchard, um, who was also my director for what I play. She didn't put me up to it. My parents didn't sign me up for it. So I was just like, it just came out of nowhere. Wow. And uh, whenever I was looking at, it, I was like, "Oh, this is something I would definitely want to do." But obviously, I don't have the money. Mm, and yeah. then, again, like I knew military was going to be a part of my life. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, well, it was also like the whole financial thing where I was like, am I really going to benefit from this That's, if I yeah. choose this path? Mm -hmm. Like if I actually graduate, from, am I going to go out getting gigs, getting all this stuff? And it's hard being an actor. It is. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go to the military. And, and it wasn't until... Later on, after I graduated from boot camp, I was in combat training, and we were just standing by waiting for orders. I was doing impressions in front of all these Marines, making them <laughs> laugh, making them do it. And they're like, oh, my gosh, bro, like, you have a great voice. Like, they're just telling me all these things. I was like, dang, I should have just been a voice actor. But, yeah, I was just hearing your story. It just, like, it relates. Yeah. And it's crazy. Well, well, thanks, because, like, sometimes you just can't prepare for what's going to be ahead of you. You know, I had no idea that I would spend a year at Olive Garden. And that was, like, <laughs> the most formidable year of my life, because for me at that time, all of my friends were going to graduate school. A lot of them were going to medical school. And so that was kind of challenging to wrestle with, because, you know, how do you not compare yourself to other people mm -hmm. that you were initially on the same journey with? Right. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, you can't compare yourself to other people. You are on your own journey and you have to um, recognize that and grapple with it. So that's that's really important. But, um, yeah, I think everybody's story is different. And it's those kinds of stories like you're talking about where people are like, you have a great voice. You should definitely be a voice actor that kind of inspire you to that next level, because it's just the universe kind of validating what you already know in your heart mm -hmm. to be true. And so you have to be attuned and aware for those kinds of moments because it kind of sets you up forward 
for that trajectory of yeah. success. You just you just have to be open and aware. Oh yeah, and like you said, your friends are going to be doctors. Yeah. And, Doing all these things, I hear people say that, and I think of Stan Lee, uh, the guy, the guy who created Marvel. Yeah, he did a bunch of interviews, and his, one of the, his famous quotes was like, "I was embarrassed that my friends were building bridges, going to war, doing all these things, and I'm over here drawing comic books." But then I realized, without entertainment, people would lose their minds, mm -hmm. and that's what a lot of people are for: is to entertain others, to try to help them escape from the reality of things. That's your gift. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And God, it's just crazy to me. <laughs> uh, but where are you originally from? So I was born and raised in McAllen, Texas. I knew it because you mentioned UTRGV. And I was like, <laughs> no one really like mentions UTRGV unless they're from the Valley. Exactly. So I was like, I had to know. Okay. Udo 956 yes. man. You know it. You know it. I'm also from McAllen. Oh, my God. You're from McAllen, too? Okay. Now, the next question, when you know someone is from the Valley, which high school did you go to? Okay. So the other thing is, I didn't go to a regular high school. And I mentioned this in the first episode. I went to Sci-Tech. So I was a part oh, of the yep. STISD. Uh-huh. I know exactly where SciTech is. Yes, yeah. Mercedes, Texas. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh, I went to Nikki Rowe. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Or the, it's kind of where the convention center's at. It's yes. like in that direction. So yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. Nikki Rowe High School, class of 99. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, right before Y2K where we thought everything's going to shut down. Nothing mm. happened. <laughs> Nothing happened. Yeah. We, were, we all survived. <laughs> Oh my gosh, more valley people. <laughs> yes, because we're everywhere and we're yes. slowly but surely taking over the world. I just want you to know that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I believe it. No, that makes more sense because um, I had that feeling when you were telling me, well, you're telling also us like in general that whenever you look at somebody with like entertainment wise, you see um, people that are not like us. Mm -hmm. So then you have to compare yourself like, okay, well, who can I compare myself to? And then you have to make yourself as your own person to look up to yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be on your own journey. Mm -hmm. You know, there were points at which, you know, I was like, man, had I gone to LA and stuck it out, maybe I'd be in a similar path to where like Eva Longoria is or, you know, Rosalind Sanchez, you know? Um, but it's, it's, it's my journey and it's my path. And I always, you know, I, you know, I always thought of myself as like, if I can do in Texas what they're doing in LA, but be closer to home, then I'm winning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm acting, I am teaching, I've had a business, I'm close to my family. And for me, that's, that's everything because I'm able to sustain a life here. And for me, that's what success is. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people can be like, well, you know, where are your credits from? Are they from LA? Are they from New York? And I was like, baby, I got credits. <laughs> Don't worry about where they're from. <laughs> Check out my IMDB. I'm like rolling in, you know, 20 plus credits deep. So, um, you know, it's, it's hard to not want to compare yourself in that way but you know you just keep on the grind and you you know you do you mm -hmm. every day how did you get involved with all these projects later on so um when i applied to graduate school one of the first things that my program did was set up a showcase for the local casting directors and industry professionals and that's where i got my agent i got my agent in 2004 and um i've been with them ever since from 2004, so it's almost going to be 20 years next oh year. Oh, my gosh. And I've been with the same agency. Like, the agency has grown. It's changed hands. But I have been with that company for almost 20 years. And um, today it's called The Acting Group, and it's based out of Austin, Texas, and it does representation in L.A. Um, and I've been with Jorge Elizondo and uh, Tony Watson for 
uh, a number of years now, and I'm really proud to call them my agents because they they advocate for me, and I've gotten a lot of work um, through the company. So I'm I'm super excited about uh, where we are as an agency and how they've been able to support me and work with me with my schedule. Because now that I'm at Texas State, you know, I'm teaching fall and spring semester. And my first obligation is to my students, you know, yeah, if I book a big acting role, you might not see me for a couple of weeks, <laughs> but um, my, my, my primary focus is teaching while I'm here. And so they've been kind enough to work with me. Like when I said, hey, summer, you know, is upon us, start sending me stuff May 1st. Well, this week I've had like three, four or five auditions in this week, right? Mm-hmm. And I haven't had any in a while, right? So, you know, you have to, you kind of have to work with what you get. And so I've been really able to, to make a career by building relationships with people who are supporting me in that effort. Networking. Mm -hmm. Networking all the way. So I got my agent in graduate school, back to your question. Um, And that's where I started my career. After graduate school, um, the program at UT at the time, they took us to showcases in LA and into New York And so from there, I had a lot of interest from agents and managers who wanted to represent me because I didn't just speak one language, I spoke two. So automatically, I'm not just general market, but I'm also Spanish. And the Spanish market is a global market. There are more people that speak Spanish than English in the world. And so, you know, for for performers that have another language or that speak another language, like it's really to your benefit and to your asset and in order to utilize that for work. That's super important because I think at one point during my career, when I was an undergraduate, I felt almost ashamed of having maybe a slight accent or coming from the valley or, you know, not sounding a certain way. Um, So I kind of grappled with that. And, you know, today I'm just kind of like, you've got to use your body and your voice to make your your career. That's all you've got. And you just got to work it. Mm-hmm. You know, and you didn't know Spanish at first. You said you learned it while working at oh at Olive Garden. That's yeah. when my Spanish got real good. <laughs> oh Olive Garden? yes, at Olive Garden. Yes, girl. Okay, so like my grandparents spoke Spanish to us, and like I I I was speaking Spanish early on. Then we got into public school, and because the bilingual education program isn't what it is today, my parents did not want to speak to us in Spanish at home. That was just a thing because my mom um, had to do the transfer between. Spanish at home, English at school. And in California, growing up in the 50s and 60s, it was um, not okay for you to speak Spanish on a school premises, right? They didn't have a lot of teachers that were of Hispanic descent. And so that's how my mom grew up. And so there was no Spanish being taught at home. And it wasn't until I got into the OG that I was like, oh, my gosh, I got to, you know, revisit all these vocabulary words. And then I started to gain some fluency. And then that propelled me into graduate school and into my work commercially. And there were times where I'd be on set and I was like, how do you say this word? And I would call my grandma on set and be like, ¿Cómo se dice esta palabra? ¿Se dice así o se dice así? No, muchacha. Estás equivocada. And so she would really help me out um, with that. May she rest in peace. But, uh, you know, those are just kind of the things that you do while you can. And now I'm like, hey, mom, how does this word sound? She's like, I don't think you're sounding it right. 
Oh my gosh, my my girlfriend is also from the valley. Yeah. Oh my god. See, taking over. I know, and she's been you know trying to help me like with Spanish. Yeah. And I'll joke around with her. I'll say Spanish words badly on purpose. Oh my. Oh no. Just That's to, the worst. Just to make her mad. But there are times where I actually do try to speak Spanish, and she's like. Stop saying it like that. And I'm like, like what? And I was like, I'm saying the word. She's like, no, you sound like these Cali Mexicans. She's like, you're not George Lopez. You're not Gabriel Iglesias. She's like, say it right. And I'm like, I don't know what you want me to do. But I do. regionalism. Yeah. yeah. And I do remember after I talked to you for the first time about voice acting, um, you mentioned that you had an agent looking for like voice talent. And you're mm-hmm. like, do you speak Spanish? And I was like, no, I need to learn, but I can read it. And yeah. you were like, you need to learn Spanish. And I was just like, I know I do. And I keep telling people, if I knew Spanish, I would be rich. Well, I mean, you can start <laughs> yes. now. You can, you can start now. But here's the thing. Like, it it doesn't, um, you just have to start, right? As as long as you are able to provide an authentic accent, it is believable, The what, what it is that you're saying, the connotation carries off, then you're good. Mm-hmm. You're good to go. It's part of telling a story, right? Um, and you just have to work on that skill, just like people that are working on their English. If they want to tell a story, they just have to gain, you know, mastery of, of that storytelling in English. Because there's lots of opportunities for voiceover work for actors that have um, a slight dialect or regionalism, mm-hmm. you know, just depends on where you are within the country. So there's opportunities for that all over the place. So it's not, it's not too late, but it's something that you should practice with as well. And since, um, since my abuelita is no longer here, it's like, how do I continue to practice on my own where I don't have, I'm not surrounded by Spanish speakers on a daily basis, mm-hmm. you know? So for me, it's, I, I've got to practice that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's crazy because people ask me, like, can you do a Hispanic accent? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, oh. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you want me to sound like Puss in Boots? Or? <laughs> Estoy muerta. I like, what, is, what does that even mean? Like, like Hispanic is such a, an umbrella term. Like, what are you even talking about? Because it's a culture. It's an ethnicity. It's, it's, like, it's like sabor. You know, it's like, what, what do you mean? Oh, yeah. What do you mean? We literally you know? had a big talk. Um, we had uh, that Tejano artist, AJ Castillo, on our show um, like two episodes ago. Yeah, two or three episodes ago. I think it was two episodes. It's something like that. Anyway, <laughs> he was on episode five, but we got into this huge conversation about the Tejano culture. Yeah. And we just got into a whole thing about that. But it's like, people are like, can you do a Hispanic or Mexican accent? And I'm like, you want me to sound like Puss in Boots or something? And I was like, but I can do a Russian or Scottish accent. Of course, you can do Russian dialects. You know, it's part of what you do. Yeah, Russian's pretty easy. Yeah, but, but, you know, it's not like anybody's hiring me for my Russian dialect. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I did play Russian polar bear once. Really? Hey, what? That was one of my voiceovers that I did in graduate school. They were looking for a Russian polar bear. And in voice and diction class, we had been studying a Russian dialect. And I was like, well, I'm just going to audition and see what happens. And I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so while you were... Uh, in school and everything, you were auditioning and yes. pursuing roles and everything. What was your first role that you ever did? Your first paid role? So when I got my agent um, in graduate school, it was my first year in graduate school. It took me like eight months, nine months, something like that. It felt like a really long time. Um, I think I signed in September, October. Um, and I didn't book something until March or April. So it was a long time of getting a lot of no's. And the first thing that I did, I believe it was for one of those um, check advance places, 
like mm-hmm. advanced cash or something. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yeah, <laughs> advanced cash. Woohoo. <laughs> that was like my first, one of my first gigs. And then um, the the first national gig that I had that this is where I think my mom hit a turning point. <laughs> I was cast as a maid. Of course, Latina, right, maid? I was cast as a maid in Mary Maid's commercial. But Mary Maid's was airing during Oprah. And oh. that's when my mom was like, oh, my God, she made it. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> that's my baby. <laughs> so so it wasn't until, like, she actually saw the product in real time during Oprah that she was like, oh, I see it. I understand it now. And then... I had another print ad that also was in the Oprah magazine. And I was like, look, ma, it's me. And she was like, oh, that I understand. Yes. Good job, mijita. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's always nice to get a good job. Yeah. Because, you know, it's sometimes it's hard for parents to envision something that they have no um, prior relationship to, especially when it comes to the arts, because studying arts is a privilege. Mm-hmm. Like it's not lost on me that I'm able to make this my livelihood because my parents chose chose public education that was for them you know um and it was a choice that 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 they made in order to provide a stable living situation you know i'm fortunate enough to where i don't necessarily have to have a stable living situation um but i do in the fact that i teach Mm -hmm. that's where my stability comes in from you know because when i'm not acting i'm an out-of-work actor but when I'm not acting, I'm teaching. Right. So there's there's the balance there. Yeah. So where did you see yourself? Um, did you ever see yourself as a professor? Or um, how did that go about? So when I graduated from college, um, my dad wanted me to go teach in the Valley. And I cried. <laughs> I cried some big, ugly tears. And I was like, I don't want to be a teacher. I don't want to be a teacher. And he was so proud. He was like, yeah, Mijita just graduated. I'm going to get her into the school district. She's going to get TRS pension. Oh and I was like, I do not want to come back to the Valley and teach. I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So I ended up working at Olive Garden. And then here I am teaching. <laughs> <laughs> but it's on my own terms. And it's in higher education, which is where I feel like my my niche is, because there's a special place for people that are able to teach um, middle school, high school, especially elementary school. Like we do not have enough teachers. And so for those folks that come in, do the work day in and day out there, there is a crown of jewels waiting for you somewhere, I'm sure. And you've taught at multiple locations. You've taught in Austin Community College, yep. Temple College, mm-hmm. uh, Concordia. I don't know if I'm. Yep pronouncing that right university and then here at texas state yes so you've just been teaching everywhere that was a hustle baby because <laughs> oh you know like during the pandemic where the industry shut down like the entire industry shut down we didn't know when we were going to get our next paycheck right every out-of-work actor was on unemployment touring shows across the the nation broadway touring shows stopped so at that time people were also deciding to retire early from the teaching profession, or they didn't want to have to transition over into Zoom, do something digital. So so I was like, I'll teach it. You need someone to teach theater? Call me. And so I ended up, you know, scrapping together a bunch of um, a bunch of gigs during the pandemic where, you know, I was able to teach at my alma mater of Southwestern and I continue to teach at um, you know, ACC, Temple College. Most of my classes there are online and they're courses that I've developed over a number of years. Um, and so I'm really proud of being able to do that. And especially 
at ACC, I developed a, a fundamental like drama 1310 course where we focus it through a Mexican-American lens. And so you're looking at the introduction to theater, but thinking through like um, the authors that are making like Latine work now. So I'm, I'm really proud of, of those opportunities. But yeah, for a couple years, you know, we didn't know what was going to be happening. And if somebody said that they had work for me, I said yes and like you do an improv, mm-hmm. right? So if I could work it in my schedule, you better believe I was I was working it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, just it just, you know, you have to be open to those kinds of opportunities. Right. Mm-hmm. And as I said before, you had like a laundry list of credentials. And some of them that I noticed, you were like on Queen of the South, uh, yes. episode 113, Friday Night Lights, yes. episode 504, Prison Break, episode 210, and yes. then Walker, uh-huh. like Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah, like I sh- I filmed that in, um, I shot that in September and it aired in November oh, of wow. this past year. Yeah. Wow. So when it comes to like the auditioning process, mm-hmm. For like upcoming artists who are trying to go audition or thing, what could they expect? Um, well, you want to show your best self. Like when you come into the room, you want to be able to change the energy of the space. Um, what's happening now that um, people need to get adjusted to are self-tapes. Mm-hmm. So you can self-tape and be anywhere in the world for a project. And most of, even when I was living in New York, I was getting put on tape for LA. And I'm like, why am I not just in LA? Right. <laughs> um, so I can be, you know, hot and poor instead of cold and poor. Cause cold and poor sucks. Yeah. Um, but you, you have to get into this world now where we're in the world of self tape. So if you don't have the appropriate setup, lighting background, et cetera, you're at a disadvantage already. Um, for the auditioning process, you want to make sure that you turn in your auditions within those first 24 hours. That's crucial. Because it ends up being a numbers game, mm-hmm. right? Um, they may cast a net that's 100 people wide. And the first, you know, 10, 15 videos, that's 15%. The first ones that come in are the first ones that are going to be seen. Wow, It's a numbers game, right? Um, but the more consistently you can show up and you make those bold choices on camera, um, someone's going to see you. And you may not get that particular role, but that casting director may see you, may like what you did, and call you back for another opportunity. Mm-hmm. So it's about showing up, being on time, giving it your best, making bold choices always, and um, treating people with respect. Because those assistant casting directors will one day become the casting director. And you want to make sure that the folks that you interact with can say about you at the end of the day, man, that person's a pro. They show up on time. They have a great attitude and they do the work. And that's what it's about. And do you go looking for these auditions or your agent is the one that sends you the auditions? So the my agent usually sends me the auditions because I do not have the time or capacity <laughs> to look for um, auditions like I used to when I was much younger. So whatever I fit the specs for now are what I go out for. Um, if I want to get an audition, for example, um, we're having citywide auditions in Austin this summer. And so it's an opportunity for every actor to kind of come in and um, do your monologue, do your 16 bars of music, um, do a dance call and have the entire community take a look at what you've got to offer for the season because they may have something that you don't know about or they're thinking about a show, but they're looking for someone like you. 
And so it's important for you to keep putting yourself out there, um, you know, especially as you get older, because um, people know that the industry is not as kind when you get older, especially for women, right? Sometimes we age out, but um, that's kind of a... <clears throat> what the industry is, but I'm just so looking forward to playing abuelitas. <laughs> I really am. I'm going to have a very long career where I play that tia, yeah. like the one that wears leopard and is super loud at the party. I am so excited <laughs> to play that role and everybody's grandma. I'm I'm just, I'm just jazzed about it because that'll be, you know, the other bookmark of my career. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you said you've been with your agency since 2004. Yes. Um, and they found you? Yeah, they came to our showcase. Mm-hmm. All right. So whenever an upcoming artist is getting uh, trying to look for an agent, mm-hmm. what should they look for? You need to look for someone that has been in the industry for a while, ask questions and ask around. Um, you can find in, you can find agents online, but you need to do your due diligence. Like, ooh, let me just go ahead and put Texas talent agents into Google and see what pops up. Go have fun with that. But you also need to make sure that, one, these folks are reputable. Two, um, there's a lot of folks that want to make money off of someone who is desperate to get into TV and film, and you don't want to fall into a scam. If anybody is asking you for money up front, you better turn around and walk away because that is not for you. Um, Any agent that wants to represent you will bring you in for an interview. You will have a conversation because it is about the business. It is a business conversation that you are having with your agent because they are representing you and you need to trust that they will do that job. And at the same time, they're trusting that you'll book the gig Mm -hmm. so that you'll take the classes, you'll do the work, you'll make sure you get that tape within 24 hours, right? That's your job. That's how you hold up your end of the bargain. So um, it's important to keep your headshots relevant so make sure that you look like your headshots. If you've got a website, I highly recommend putting all of your information on there. Your agency will also provide you with a website and information um, that you can share with other folks. So it's important to keep both of those places up to date. Um, but for anybody looking for an agency, I'm with the uh, I'm with the acting group in Austin, Texas. Um, there's also a number of different Texas talent agencies that have been here for a long time. I, I, I won't be able to name them all, but I'll name a couple. Um, Acclaim Talent Agency, Collier Talent Agency, there's Boysen in San Antonio, there's Contra Artista. They've been there for a really long time. Um, Houston, Pastorina Bosby. And then in Dallas, there's Kim Dawson Talent Agency. So there's, there's a couple of other new talent agencies that um, are up and coming. So you just want to make sure that you do your due diligence when you are finding someone to represent you. That's super important. Ask around. Mm-hmm. Ask me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, because that's how networking starts. That is. That is. And I've been able to refer many a student to agency representation um, and provided them with tools that they need in order to start playing the game. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you got to be in it to win it. And if you're not, then you just missing, missing, missing out. Well, I mean, after I graduate, you know, the whole looking for a big boy job is going to be starting. But at the same time, I am going to be trying to dip my toes into like actually getting into an agency, doing auditions. and You need to have a voiceover agent for sure. Yes, which is what I will be looking for. That would be so cool if you were like an anime and stuff like that. I'm trying. Well, you know Texas has a big gaming industry. I know. The gaming industry is huge. And that is what I'm going to be looking for because I'm taking a sound technology class with uh, Hyatt Dominguez. Yep. And I... 
told her my goal was to like try to at least be a sound engineer for these games or these animes and just like do that while wiggling my way into voice acting. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that goes. Not sure how that's going to go yet. Well, Hyatt, they can they can definitely help you with your um, voiceover reel and getting the the stuff that you need in order to um, present yourself like part of your digital portfolio up to speed because they've been doing it for a while. I will need to ask them about that because right now we had to make a website for a class. Wonderful. And I got mo- like my resume, my experience. Excellent. Um, samples of my work, like especially here at KTSW. Mm-hmm. So I will definitely talk to them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you believe that talent or training is more important for an actor? That's a good question. Oh my God. <laughs> you just well, dropped the bomb like that. <laughs> no, <I was> just... <laughs> well, you can have all the talent in the world, but you know, if you're, if your work ethic isn't there, it doesn't really give you much. Right. Um, and then you can have less talent, but really outwork people and find success. So I think it's a real delicate balance because you need to have something. Mm-hmm. You need to have the gift. You need to have you need to have something um, that you know you can do well and that you are certain and it is like you know, like you know, like you know, like yeah. deep, deep inside, like I can do this, right? This is this is part of what I can do. Um so you've got to have that, which is the talent part, right? But then you've also be able you have to be able to work and and take rejection and take the hits keep on getting up and then every day start a new day for yourself, right. you know, cause you may not get all the auditions that you want. Um, it may not be your season. It may not be your time, but what is meant for you is meant for you. Mm-hmm. Mm, I'm a firm believer in that. Everything happens mm-hmm. for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, you know, and if I can see it, if I can envision it, then hopefully I can manifest it. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was like, Ooh, I will be on that movie with Denzel. <laughs> Are you listening, Mr. Washington? <laughs> My and name is Yesenia Garcia Harrington. <laughs> and I asked that because whenever I recently uh, emailed you, not only for the podcast, but I told you I had a friend. Yeah. I don't think, like, he's done acting before, but not, like, seriously. He just took a class. But recently he went to do a runway modeling show in San Antonio. Cool. And the people there like the way he looked he's like six foot four he's a pretty lean dude oh it's the dude that we talked about in our last podcast episode i think so yeah okay um but he said that uh it was like a mother agency i don't know what that means Mm. uh reached out to him and said hey we want to try to get you involved with these other agents he's like but we need you to do a monologue and like all these other things and then he reached out to me he was like hey man can you help me with my acting and i was like I'm not an acting professional, but I will help you as best as I can. Yeah. And that's whenever I reached out to you. And, you know, he's taking acting classes now in San Antonio and he loves it. But as far as like the talent, I don't know what he's like acting. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm asking like is uh, that thing where hard work beats talent or, you know, what I just asked. (laughs) Yeah. Like if it's, if it's based up to talent and hard work and it's kind of like a toss up because, you know, I may have a little bit of talent, but if I work hard, I can, I can grow and I can be, I can play too, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, but you know, if you, if you have no talent for it, um, but you have a passion and you have a love and you have a desire, I, I, I think you would be able to get to where you want to be. 
Um, but you've got to have some talent. Mm-hmm. Like you can't be without it and right. and try to succeed. There's got to be that, mm, I don't even know how to, how to say it in English, like that don, you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. there's got to be that thing about you, about your energy, about your aura. When you walk into a room, um, can you light it up? Mm-hmm. Do you light up the, the camera? You know, there's got to be something about you that people can see. Right. Like and your first grade teacher. Yes. And <laughs> I was going to ask that too. It's like for you, how do you know when a student has it? Because in our beginning acting class, I was surrounded by all these kids that just were great. We had a good group. We had a really good group. Love them. Still try to keep in touch with them. And like so, most of like Luke, yeah. talk, I've been talking to Luke this semester. I had him in the class and he's been telling me he's been doing auditions and this and that. And I'm like, bro, you got it because you just got it. Super talented. But for you, how do you know when a student has it? That's what they bring into the the room, to the scene. Are they grounded? Are they able to to move with intention and purpose? Um, do they have their their work? Have they done the work? Like, have you analyzed the play? Have you read the play? Mm-hmm. Like, not just the scene, but have you read the play? Um, do you know where your character is coming from? Like, how do you, how are you building the character? Like, like all of that is involved in the analysis portion of, of what it is that we do as actors. And if you can do that work and you can come to the table and present this really grounded, authentic, truthful character, then that's part of it. Mm -hmm. It's not about coming from the outside in. You know, for me, it's inside out. It's like, what's the core of this character and how does it manifest outwardly? physically and vocally and, 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 and how does that live in my body? You know, cause we could play the same character, mm-hmm. but it's going to live in my body differently than it lives in yours. Right. And that's part of the interpretation and part of the magic of what it is that we do as actors. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember, I heard someone's cause they asked what is acting and somebody replied with acting is living in the moment but in a pretend setting it was something like that yeah and like i said everything happens for a reason and whenever you partnered me up with andrea <laughs> love her to death miss her haven't seen her in a while a while <laughs> but when that was such a good scene y'all like it, i'm still living in that scene <laughs> um i remember you gave us the the play it was called the mother with the hat <laughs> <laughs> and um i remember we were just going over the scenes and i gave her the book and she's like, you have a really good voice. You should be a voice actor. <laughs> and I was like, that's crazy you say that because I'm actually trying to do that. And she was like, see, I just have a keen thing for this. She was like, I'm trying to be a casting director one day. And I was just like, yo, we're meant for this. And then we practiced our scene until the day came. And I just remember we did it. And you were like, oh, my gosh, that is the best way to start off this class. Yeah. And actually to this day, I still think about that too. Yeah. Because that was a really good scene. You all committed to the characters and you brought in props. You had your wardrobe. Like it was as though we were watching a slice of life that had been so well prepared. Um, and you, and you brought yourselves to it. So to be able to see you do that was just so lovely and rich to watch. Cause I hadn't seen any students commit to performance to that level. Mm-hmm. And that's what made, that's what still makes your scene so memorable. Cause I have given that scene to other students mm-hmm. with different results. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. 
Um, so what actually are, are there any roles or projects that you're working on now? So right now, um, I'm really looking forward to this summer because I'll be in uh, Logan, Utah. I'll be at the Lyric Repertory Theater where I'll be um, directing a series of staged readings for their Interact program um, at Utah State University. So I'm excited about that. Um, shout out to my friend Richie Call, who was my friend from middle school. He got me the gig. Oh, my gosh. So so don't sleep on your middle school friends, okay? Yeah, yeah, seriously. Um, and then I'm going to be working on a rolling world premiere um, where I'll be performing and, and producing um, a show written by uh, Raul Garza out of Austin, Texas, award-winning playwright. And um, I'm hoping to tour that within the next uh, 24 months. Oh, wow. So it's the planning phase of getting that up on its feet, finding the funding, which is the producing part, and then um, getting on people's seasons because, you know, I can't do anything next year. I've got to try to plan for a year out after that. So it's it takes some time and effort in making that happen. So that's my labor of love. Nice. And you mentioned a company earlier. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, you founded C2C Multimedia? Yes, yes. And- what is that actually? So that C2C stands for Coast to Coast because that was my vision. Um, but my company ended up taking on projects from concept to completion, hence oh. the C2C. Um, and so in 2008, um, I was getting a lot of work in Texas, more so than I was in New York City. So I came back to Texas and um, I eventually started my own company. And during the recession, Um, there wasn't a lot of work for actors. So I was able to do the copywriting, directing, casting, and I did that for a number of um, business-to-business clients that I had as a way for me to survive Mm -hmm. because I was only teaching maybe a class or two classes at ACC, which is definitely not full-time. And in the midst of that and trying to audition, I was like, okay, well, I need to generate some income and I'm just going to do it myself. And so I went through a program through the Greater Austin Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, which was the Economic Growth Incubator. And from that program, I had the tools and the training in order to set up my business the right way, like through the Secretary of State and file all that paperwork and have articles of incorporation. So I was able to do that for myself. And that was really empowering for me because um, I hadn't done anything like that before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most of my family, <clears throat> like on my father's side, they're entrepreneurs. They build homes and my dad has um, a plumbing license and a trade because my grandpa on my on my dad's side had that. So um, there was there was that aspect to running a business, but I had never done anything for myself, and so it was it was quite the learning curve for me, um, especially when you're trying to build a business when people are holding on to their money really tightly. So it was a challenge, but um, I'm glad that I had the experience, and you know, every now and then I. I, I dabble in a little project here and there, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but because my main priority right now is teaching and um, building up my my own professional portfolio, I'll take on a project, you know, every once in a while. Right. But it's nice to still have that option available. Mm-hmm. And aside from playing the cool tia or the, <laughs> the abuelita, what are your plans in the future? 
Well, you can catch me on stage this fall in The Wolves oh. through the Texas Theater and Dance Department. I'll be playing the mom. Oh. Um, <laughs> so I'm super excited about that prospect. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. And then I'm just keeping myself op- open and my, op- my options open for, you know, anything that rolls through town. And I'm really hoping, knock on wood, that we can get some, <laughs> that we can get some movie residuals passed. Because I know San Marcos is going to get um, a cinema stage, and that's going to be really exciting to to have some sound stages here in town, especially with our growing film department over in Live Oak. I think it really sets us up in a prime location with a great group of students who are eager and hungry to make that happen here mm-hmm. as well. So it can be like a movie corridor from like Austin to San Antonio. <laughs> must be nice. I wish I was here for that. <laughs> hey, you can still be part of the action. Don't, you know, just keep an ear to the keep an ear to the grindstone, you know? Mm-hmm. True. Des, join the class. Let me know what happens. Okay, well. <laughs> <laughs> Spend your money and register. <laughs> uh, speaking about classes, because I know that we we're mentioning the whole college situation, especially with your experience. You went through pre-med and then you went through theater. What about communications? Because I know that you mentioned communications as well. So how did you go around that route? So when I um, <laughs> when I got out of uh, college, I I started temping right away because I, I you know I told you I didn't want to teach and I had like big you know big crying tears and stuff like that. <laughs> so I I did a real quick stint with um, a, a company in the valley and they wa- they wanted me to do their communication. So so I was writing press releases and I was doing those kinds of things and I was doing photography and I was just kind of like taking over their media. And at the time, you know, websites were fairly new. So I was just kind of working on, on websites and teaching myself how to navigate that. And then, um, and then my temp agency, like my temp time came over and I was like, well, that's when I needed to get a job in Olive Garden. I love you, yeah. <laughs> you know, infamous Olive Garden, the, infamous Olive Garden, the OG baby. Um, and that's where I, you know, started working um, as a server at Olive Garden. And it was just uh, it was a really good experience um, going through that. But that communications degree really helped me when I started my own business and had to write copy and had to reach out to clients. Um, I eventually um, after the recession and, and doing that for a couple of years, I actually got a job doing public relations for a school district that's where that communications degree came into hand um because it was part of the requirements for the job and um i had been doing it on my own but hadn't realized like hey you're doing the work you know even though it's for yourself and for your company you can't negate what you've been doing there's some value to that so for me that was like a learning curve for sure. But that's where the communication degree came into plan. Um, and as an actor or, <clears throat> excuse me, um, an artist, you're always trying to market yourself. So knowing how to communicate that and, and doing that well with your online presence and your offline presence, um, that's that's really instrumental into building your brand, especially as a young artist. Speaking of young artists, what advice would you give listeners that are trying to get into this field? Um, golly, if you love it, stick with it. And if you can do anything else, go do it. You know, um, I think acting is the kind of craft that you can come back to. And especially if you, if you truly, truly love it, because, um, you know, there's, there's always going to be a need for actors and for performers. But, um, you know, if, if you're not committed to doing the work, 
do something else, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but, but it's going to take some hard work. It's going to take some rejection and you've got, you've got to come up with a plan, you know, to do theater in Texas, you can't make a living on off that alone. Mm-hmm. Um, even to do television and film in Texas, you can't make a living off that alone. I was really fortunate that I could do that for five years. Mm-hmm. I just made a living as a working actress and working part-time at ACC. That was a lot, a, a big part of my life post-graduate school. Um, and then building my business, right? So as long as you have a plan, stick to the plan. Right. Continue to work. Continue to work on your craft because it is a craft. Because even though you may take these classes at Texas State and you know develop a skill set, there's still so much that you can learn. Like, mm-hmm. like even myself, I, I, um, like you mentioned earlier, I, I won the 2022 Uta Hagen Award, and part of that was being able to go to New York and take classes. Y'all, I was a student for the first time in 15 years, and it felt wonderful. <laughs> it felt so exhilarating because, one, I didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> Two, um, I could just be in the room and exercise, you know, like it's, it's like going to the gym again and exercise this creative muscle that I have as a performer and really think through and reflect on that. And so it, it was just a, such a lovely experience to be able to do that. Um, so you want to continue to hone your craft. You want to be able to, to make sure that you devote time to that in your daily practice of whatever it is, whether it's writing for a couple of, you know, minutes a day, um, whether it's finding a new show that you want to direct, figure out what your aesthetic is. And as an actor, what are the roles that you want to play? Go read those plays and go film yourself doing them and then put them on your website. Who knows? They may be looking for a new Virginia Wolf. I don't know. Okay. But you have an opportunity to do that. You know, that's part of your exercise, your creative um, research, if you will. Mm-hmm. And- Oh, oh <laughs> I think part of the reason like why you also like got into like this whole entire career and you were lucky to even have those opportunities to make a living off of it is because of your passion and also your drive because I know like whenever you talk about these kinds of things and like I know that nobody can really see what we're talking about <laughs> or like what we're doing right now but the thing is like you're super passionate about it and to the point where you even got recognized by the Obama administration do you want to talk about a little, a little bit more about that and how it felt to like, you know, meet them in person? Well, yeah. So um, I got to get the invitation for the White House um, in 2015. And at that time, you know, I had just finished like working with my company, you know, and it was it was it was hard to make it, you know, with just myself alone. So I <laughs> I was like, OK, I'm waving, waving the white flag for a little bit. And I got I got a job job like my first job job (laughs) like legit job job at like 32 like straight I mean like look I'd worked before like I'd worked since I was Mm -hmm. 16 but doing like McAllen Parks and Rec summer stock you know like little things like that but this was like my first like legit job with like benefits (laughs) (laughs) and then benefits were real handy um and so I ended up doing that and while I was at the school district I did PR for a little bit, but my passion was really theater. So when a, a position came open in the school district to work in the fine arts department, I was like, yeah, this is your girl right here. Let me interview for that. And I was fortunate enough to have received the position. But part of doing that work um, involved me writing grants 
I had never written grants before, but I was surrounded by people who had done the work. And so I learned a lot on the job. So at certain points, your imposter syndrome kicks in and you think like, I do not need to be like, why am I here? I'm not worthy. But you have to like kick that imposter out of your brain and just focus on what you have in front of you, which is an opportunity to learn. And through that work, I had um, co-written over a million dollars in grants from the National Endowment from the Arts and the Department of Education. And so they were recognizing our school district and I got the letter to come to the party from former President Barack Obama. And it was just like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> did, you, did Like me? Me. Like really? Me. You want me to go to the White House? <laughs> okay. Like my boss didn't get it. Um, the other person that I had been working with didn't get it. I like, I got the invitation. I was the only one from my school district that got it. And I was just like, yeah, I'm going. <laughs> I'm definitely going. I left my husband at home. He was like, can I go in your suitcase? I was like, nope, got to pass security. <laughs> um, but, you know, it was such a surreal experience. And for me to be there, I thought, I just, I, I thought I was just kind of doing my job. You know, like here I was just, you know, working hard, doing my job. And then all of a sudden, like you get this recognition out of nowhere. And it's just like, really? Wow. That like what I'm doing is having that much of an impact. I can't believe it. Like somebody pinched me, you know, um, and it just goes to show you that whatever you put your mind, your passion, your energy forward as you're doing good, um, you'll the, the benefits are there. The, the rewards are there. And sometimes you may not see them or you may not recognize them in that moment, um, but they are there for you. So that was kind of like a once in a lifetime experience. And I thought, oh, my gosh, nothing can top this. I like I have I have peaked. I have peaked in my 30s. <laughs> There's no going back. Everything is just going to be meh, meh right. Um, and then I got the National Teaching Award and I was like, what? Really? Like, seriously? And then I got a new burst of life in me. You know, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. Okay, now everything else beyond here is going to be meh, you know. <laughs> but I, I've seen these instances happen in my life where I've just been working really hard at the grind. And then all of a sudden something pops and it's just like, oh, hey, stop, time out. You're doing good work, you know. And I have to remember that and recognize it. So now I'm like, ooh, what can I do now? So when I'm 50, it's like pop, you know. Denzel, I hope you're listening. Maybe we'll be making that movie. All right. Um, but, you know, just kind of like throw things out there in the universe. Manifesting. Yeah, absolutely. I hope that answered the question. Yes. <laughs> it was a great answer. And everything you've achieved and been awarded for is well-deserved. Well, 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 thank you. I don't, I don't usually like, this is not my daily narrative about myself. Like, I don't like talking about myself, like, no. you know, these kinds of things. But, you know, since you're bringing them up, might as well talk about them. Yeah. So... Yeah. So for anybody that wants to follow you, how could they get a hold of you or reach you? Well, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Yesenia, Y-E-S-E-N-I-A dot Garcia dot Harrington on IG. How do you spell Harrington? Oh, that's a good question because it's actually H-E as an echo, <laughs> R-R-I-N-G-T-O-N, not H-A. And also, guys, don't forget to follow the prep talk. Did you actually change the name of it? Yes, I changed the name of it because I needed to, you know, be, what's the word? Like, I need to have the username with every single 
um, social media available because I didn't want to have like, you know, different usernames for different things. So now you can follow us on <laughs> the Prep Talk Pod. So it's, it's just think about the Prep Talk Pod, no spaces, no nothing, just the Prep Talk Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And yeah, we will do our best to be keeping up with everything. Um, yeah, next season it's going to be all up to Des and Tori on staying with the social medias well guys we are getting close to that time um thank you again for being here with us thank you for sharing your stories absolutely and like you said earlier you want it's like comparing yourself to somebody and this is honestly the main premise of why i pitched this idea for this podcast is i wanted people to hear other people's stories to either to definitely encourage them to go down a career path that they want to do but hearing it from somebody else's perspective, they'll either uh, hear things that they're like, oh, I'm doing that. I've done that. Mm-hmm. I can do more with it. Or they just might spark their own path into doing it. So hearing your stories and everybody else's stories that we've had on this podcast has been nothing but a joy and everything. So thank you very much again for being here. Um, usually how we end the show is we do shout outs. And since you're our guest, you get the first shout out to anybody you want. Oh my gosh. Well, I would be remiss if I did not give a shout out to my husband. That would be Tim, Timothy, Roy Harrington. If you're out there listening, this shout out's for you, baby. (laughs) Amor. (laughs) If you want more, you can have more shout outs. Oh no. Okay. So, okay. Well then, uh, so you should, you should have led with that. So I'd like to give a shout out to my sister, Aisa. I love you, baby girl. My parents for supporting me. Um, thank you very much. Uh, my abuelitos who are in heaven. I know you're watching down on me everywhere I go. And I just want to give a shout out to the ancestors for all their energy um, in getting me to where I am today. And I hope I'm a good representation for you as I move forward and inspire other people before I leave the earth. So there you go. Nice. Dang, I can't even keep up with that shout out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would like to give a shout out to everybody that believes in me. And also, Mando, because I know that you're going to graduate after this. Hi, Mando. So I want to give a very special shout out to you, as well, as well as Tori, because I know she can't be here today because she's busy moving out of her dorm. So that's the other thing. And so I'm going to miss both of you, except for like Tori, because she's coming back. Yeah, she'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I want to give a very special shout out to the people that have also been listening to the prep talk. And it's been an amazing first season with y'all. So I hope to get to you know, spice it up for the second season next semester. Nice. Um, Shout out to, you know, friends and family who've always believed in me. Uh, You are the reason I am here today. Uh, Shout out to my girlfriend. She's also been my number one fan, always hyping me up when I don't deserve it. Um, Shout out to my professor here for getting me my first voice acting gig and keeping the ball rolling for me. Um, shout out to our beginning acting class. Yeah. Love and miss you guys. Best class ever. No cap. <laughs> um, and shout out to the listeners. We love you guys. Thank y'all for being supportive, for listening. Thank y'all for actually making this the best podcast that KTSW's had this semester. We actually got an award for it. Oh my God, that's yes. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to you and you and the person that's out here. Yeah. Oh yeah, shout out to Tori. <laughs> I almost forgot about her. <laughs> so me. I know. I on the last episode too. I know. I, we were into the conversation and everything. <laughs> but shout out to Tori. We miss you. We love you. Wish you could have been here. 
Um, I'll definitely be staying in touch with you guys even after I graduate because I want to see how well y'all do and just see y'all grow with this show. Um, but that is it, guys. And I will not be here anymore because I'm graduating. I'm outies. Uh, but good luck to Des and Tori on all their future endeavors. And good luck to you, Teach, on everything that you do in the future. Thank you. And um, yeah, this is the last episode for this season. But Des and Tori will see y'all next season. So until then, catch y'all next time. Bye. Bye.